Welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Because he has made everything clear and open for you to live in victory. The knowledge of God is clear and open. How do we see? We saw it in, in, in Abraham. God, was, God appeared to him in a vision and showed him. He said, telling him that, look, Abraham, you have a problem. This is your problem. You, you, you are asking me for a child and it's a challenge to you. It's a big problem to you. Okay, Abraham, I understand. Okay. This other person has a child, but I don't have a child. So he doesn't understand what I'm going through. But God appeared to him in a vision and said, look, what you need is to see that you have no excuse. He said, how? Come outside. What did he show him? He showed him the stars. What did he show him? He showed them the sky. He said, look at them. Can you count them? He said, no, I cannot. He said, so shall your descendants be. So the things that are made have put us in a position to be without excuse. And to see God in the things that are made. To see God all around us. So when we, when we, when we look, when we go through circumstances and it feels like, oh God, where are you? You're not there. You're not there. God is saying that I'm there. I'm there. I'm everywhere. You're just not paying attention to the right thing. You're looking somewhere else. I'm there. So the moment we begin to pay attention to him and we begin to focus on the things and to see clearly, we'll see that, look, we have victory every day. And from those things, we can pull strength and go through the things we're going through. Let me shock you. There are certain things that you're asking God to take away. He may not take them away certain things I don't know those things he may not take them away why why do you say so pastor the truth of the matter is I, I'm not mentioning the particular things but there are some things that God will not necessarily take them away you would have victory in spite of those things I don't know if you if you if you get my analogy there are some things I don't know the things there are some of them, but you will have victory in spite of those things. In spite of those things. Sometimes it could be a background. And you say, God, you know, sometimes many of us woken up one day and just hope that by the time we open these eyes, we just find ourselves in Bill Gates' house. And then we see our mother and father saying, son, we just want to tell you that Bill Gates is your father. He, 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 dropped, he dropped you for us to take care of you many years ago you know you how many of you have hoped or wished something like i don't be shy just it's true just because i just wish that ah maybe dangote would just come back in front of my house and say it's my son i've been looking for you everywhere say father i miss you too let's go <laughs> you know you would have just wished and hoped that I, so, so some things may not be taken away 
You can't change it. Some of us have woken up one day. I just asked him, why am I born in this country? You can't change it. You can't. But in spite of it, you can have victory. You understand? So, don't pray for some things to be taken away. That, those things limit us in the sight of God. You say, okay, God, it's because of the, the background I came from. That's why I'm unlike. So what we do is that we take that information and then stay with it and give ourselves a reason to be where we are. Give ourselves a reason to stay where we are. Give ourselves a reason to be suboptimal in the position that we are. Give ourselves a reason not to dream and not to go up. And we say those are the things. So each time a big vision comes to you, each time a big dream comes to you, what happens? You remember your background. Nobody in our family has ever held 20 million naira before. This 20 million that God is showing me, it can't happen. It must be the devil trying to wreck my faith. No, no, no. It's not, it's not true. You see, so you may not be able to take away that background. And it could be a limitation. It could be something that will limit you so much in your mind. But guess what? God is looking for victory in spite of that background. He's looking for you to look up to him like Abraham and meditate so much at the promise of God and say, in spite of this thing, I can have victory. And then from that moment on, you begin to look forward to victory. From that moment on, the things that happen to you, you have become intentional about life. You don't just take it as it comes. No, you are deliberate about it and you know that I have to have victory. And then God from that moment begins to give you instructions every day. Every day. He says, you're waking at my ear morning by morning. Morning by morning. So it may be a $20 million dream, but it can start from 10 naira. It can start from 10 naira. Why? Because God will not just push it all to you. He will start little by little. Build your faith up. And trust you with something small. And trust you with certain responsibilities. Just like the parable of the talent. Give this one this. And say, see what, see what, he, see what he, he does with it. See what she does with it. And then give you that little. And then see how you do it. How you increase it. How, one scripture says, when Jesus said to them, um, give them this one talent and this one talent. One, one, one translation says, um, do business till I come. The Bible, the scripture that says occupy till I come. And that says do business till I come. What's the business? The business is multiply. The business is increase. The business is be a blessing to someone. The business is do something beyond you that will add value to another person. Do something with it. So in doing that, what happened? you begin to increase. So the vision and the dream that you think that is far, when you start from there, it begins to go. It begins to go. It begins to go. And some other person might say, okay, the issue is that, look, I don't have a job. That's my problem. If I can just get a job, nobody needs a job to survive. As bold as the statement is, nobody needs a job to survive. I'm telling you the truth. You don't need anybody to employ you to survive. What you need to do, employ yourself and be a blessing to someone. That's all. You are created to be a blessing. So when you find that, allow that um, um, humanity of God that God has put in you to be a blessing to people, job will find you. That's all you need. 
ask yourself, what do I have in me that I can be a blessing with to someone? What can I do for someone? Even if I'm not being paid. The Bible says there is profit in every labor. It did not say salary. There is profit. So whatever you do, you profit. In the labor you do, and you be a blessing to someone, you profit. So take away all those limitations. There is no excuse whatsoever. No excuse. The problem usually is that we don't want to go through the nine yards. We don't want to go through. We, we, we look at it, okay, uh, how long? Forget about how long. You start. You start. Start walking on it. Start doing it. God has positioned us in such a way that everything we need to prosper and increase is all around you. All around you. If God tells me today that I need you to do something for me. It's going to cost $20 million. If God tells me, I don't need to go far. Why? Because the $20 million is around me. I don't need to go far. For God to have told me that, what it means is that he has already positioned me around $20 million. So what I need to do is see. What I need to do is see. What I need to do is open my eyes so that I begin to see the relationships and networks that God has put inside of me, the business, the idea, the skill that God has put all around me. That's where you look for because God will not put you outside a scope that you cannot reach. No. He will put you within the scope that you can reach. Most of the time, we have smeared relationships. Most of the time, we have, we have, we have, we have broken off channels. Most of the time, the association and network that God has put us in, we've, we've, we've severed them and then we're no longer in contact with those people. And then God begins to look for ways to bring us back into those relationships so that he can bring us to the place that he wants us to be. Tell someone no excuse. Tell another person no excuse. Verse 21 says they knew God but did not praise and thank him for being God. Instead their thoughts were pointless and their misguided minds were plunged into darkness. They claim, while claiming to be wise they became fools. They became fools. So if we claim that we know we are wise and we can handle it, we can do it ourselves. God said, no, they became fools. They became fools. Tell someone I live in victory. Say I live in victory. And then the last thing that we talked about was hope. Hope. How that hope does not disappoint. That even if everything else has failed and it looked like it's impossible. Give me Romans 10, 17. Looks like it's impossible. You, we still hold on to hope. We hang on to hope. So this victory we're talking about is real. So I want to see us walk in victory every day. Things will happen to you, yes, I know. Things will come your way that looks like they're insurmountable, yes, I know. But it doesn't stop you from walking in victory. It doesn't stop you from being happy. Look at Abraham. Okay, he says, so, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Go on. Is it Romans 10? No, not Romans 10, sorry. Romans 4. 
Romans 4, please. Romans 4. 4.17. Good. You see, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who we believe, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The other, the other verse. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So this is Abraham. Contrary to hope, in hope believed. Another translation says, when there was no reason for him to hope. When there was nothing in the natural that told him that take hope, have hope. When there was nothing he could look onto, there was no brother, there was no sister, there was no uncle, there was no aunt, there was nobody abroad, anywhere. But nobody at all. He hoped. What did he hope in? Look at what he hoped in. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many your descendants will be. So when all else failed, he saw the word of God and he held on to that word. When he looked at Sarah's womb, he was a hundred years old. Sarah's womb was dead. So there was no way this thing could happen. He went back to the word. The word that God spoke to him. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. So he took the word of God as true. He took the word of God as the victory. That in this word, I have my victory. In this word, in this promise, I have my So from that moment on, Abraham chose to live a happy life. From that moment on, victorious. Not that he had seen it. No, he hasn't seen it. But he was hoping in something. The word that was spoken to him. While he was meditating, while he was praying, the word that came to him said, these are the number of descendants you will have. That was the only thing he took. So there is no excuse. When you've not gotten a physical thing to hope, when there's no reason to hope, there's no obvious thing that you can hold on to as hope. There's nothing obvious that you can hold on to. His word. What has he said? Have you meditated enough in his presence to see what God is showing you? And you will hold on to that thing. Such that when everything else has failed, you're still holding on to it. You're still holding on to it. And that's what Hebrew told us. He said it's the substance of the things we hope for. The evidence of the things that we have not even seen. Is the substance of the things that we hope for. The evidence of the things that we've not even, we've not even seen it. We've not had a glimpse of it. We hold on to it. We hold on to it. Glory to God. If you have your questions, you can throw them now before I continue. Someone has a question. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Actually, today is one of the best days in church. <laughs> I would say so because I've been longing to ask this question. Okay. <laughs> I, as a person, like you answered partially of uh, one part of the question you answered okay. it 
there's this nature. I'm a very sanguine person. I'm a very, very sanguine person. I play a lot. I have this free, carefree kind of lifestyle. And I have been praying about it because it tends to bring me to from here to like this. When I encounter people, people just sort of devalue me in the sense like, Veg, it's just David. And I, I, dis- I discovered that even when I try to make important things look real, it's being unrealistic. People think it to be a joke. And it's robbing me so much. It has brought me to a point where I won't hide it anymore. I try committing suicide like three times, you know, because I hated that part of me. It stole a lot from me. But I've been praying about it. But somehow, some way, God has been keeping me. God has been bringing me to places. God has been valuing, you know. My question is this. Now, something happened to me. Many times in my, okay, where I used to be, my church, I tend to lock up myself. Whenever those things happen, when they think, something hits me, like, see this coconut head, I will just question, overlook question, it. And, I now start facing the facts. Okay. And I start coming out. When you call me coconut head, I talk to you, I caution you, okay. don't call me that. When you try to things I come out and I tell you and sometimes this kind of things people don't like it I don't become friends with people anymore so okay. is it okay to come out and face your situation okay. uh, more or less no okay you are not looking at what they are saying you are looking being focused but is it good to come out and confront the situation okay great keep this comes please come up I want you to take a walk that way and back. Just take a walk back that way and back. See his head, big head. See his stomach, fat, uh, pot belly. See his shoes, have even borrowed the shoes. Have. I'm sure that wristwatch is his brother's own. Even the biro, I'm sure he borrowed that biro. Everything is when he borrowed it. He borrowed it, I'm sure. He didn't stop. He didn't stop. He kept going. He didn't stop to confront me. Why? He didn't believe what he said. The moment you believe it, you stop. When people look down on you, it doesn't make it. That what they are saying to give credence to what they are saying, you stop. To validate what they are saying, you stop. If he truly borrowed it, he will stop. Because maybe, hey, that guy, we borrow, I borrowed the cloth. Um, don't tell them, say I borrowed. He will start plotting one or two together. So if you believe what people say about you, you stop. If you don't believe it, keep going. So the moment you stop and respond to them is because either that thing is true or you believe it. That's just the truth. Imagine my son is going. My son and I were going. And I would say, ah. I'm sure he stole that boy. Will I answer him? You understand? So, if I truly stole the boy, 
I said, what's it concern you? Now, you, now, you, now, you, now, you, now you're picking. I was start at, why are you defending yourself? Oh, what? You only try to defend yourself when you know this is true. But if it's not true, we call it self-esteem. If it's not true, you have no business. Because whether you do right or you do wrong, people will. So why are you giving voice to what they are saying? And they only said it once, but you, you have said it four times. Because everywhere you go, see what that guy told me. See what that guy told me. You went to this person. Yesterday, I was at uh, um, Kilimanjaro. Some people were just looking like this. I'm sure it was because of what Tayo told them. That's why they And Tayo did not even know them. But because of your self-esteem, you have echoed what they have said four times. They said it once, but you said it four times. So who are you, who are you killing? My pastor explained this like this. That you, you, somebody stabbed you five years ago stabbed you here once but you have stabbed yourself 20 times how every year you go to your people hmm, if i tell you what isaiah did to me last year ah, you will not believe it he took a knife like this and stabbed me he said yeah sorry eh? you go somewhere again if i tell you that isaiah he did something to me two years ago he took a knife like this and stabbed me say, hey yeah sorry he stabbed you once, but you, you are stabbing yourself. Continue. Let it go. It's not worth the trouble. Thank you, sir. Any other question? It's not worth the trouble. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that uh, in, in spite of our backgrounds, that we can still have a mixture. Uh, I've heard uh, some preachers talk about uh, the law of karma. Okay. So I would like you to explain if it is still possible that the law of karma can still, you know, have effect on someone, even when one can still have victory in spite of all of these things. Then what exactly is karma doing in the equation? Thank you, Pastor. Okay, can somebody explain what karma is? Now let's start from there. If you know what karma is, I know what it is, but I want to hear from somebody. No, don't be shy. We're having an interactive session. That's the essence of this. So, okay, your own. Okay, yes, please. He wants to. Please help me give him the mic. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In my own way, I think karma, as you said previously, there is the written word of God. Okay. Okay, no, that's, uh, he's saying, he's talking about a different thing. Okay. Yes, that's Rema you're talking about. This is, he's talking about karma. Karma, to my own opinion, means whatever you do to others will surely come back to you. Okay, whatever you do to others will surely come back to you. Any other person? Yes, please, sir. Praise the Lord, Church. Hallelujah. Uh, please permit me to read from a dictionary. Okay, yes, please. A force or law of nature which causes one to reap what one sows. Uh, synonym to that can be destiny or fate. Thank you. Okay, glory to God. Okay, yes. Um, first of all, there's no karma in the Bible. Okay? There's no karma in the Bible. What we have in Scripture is cause and consequences. Okay? There are certain things you do 
that have consequences. Um, I was explaining before, uh, someone goes to steal and he's caught. God has forgiven you, right? But you go to jail. You go to court. You follow the necessary procedure, okay? Some people call that karma. And then they, they pick the script from scripture that says, um, whatsoever you, you sow, you reap. Okay, now let me explain. Cause and consequence is different. Okay? When you do something, it says, he that breaks the edge, the serpent will bite. The serpent will not bite if you don't break the edge. If you do something that has a consequence, either the consequence comes directly or it comes indirectly, we don't know. There are certain things you do and it has a direct consequence. You can see it. There are certain things you do. It doesn't have any direct consequence. Direct consequence in the sense that you don't see it immediately. Alright? You don't see it immediately. But it has some effect because of what you have done. Not that because of this thing that you have done, somebody else will now do it to you. No. That's not what scripture is saying. Okay? There's a part of scripture I'm trying to remember now. Maybe media will help me with that. I think it's in um, Jeremiah or so. I can't remember. The children have eaten the sour grapes. Isaiah? Is it Isaiah? Please help me look for that scripture. So, what usually happened in that time is that because of what the children have done, someone find the scripture. Because of what the children have done, what, um, because of what the fathers have done, the consequence is now on the children. That is trying to explain karma. So what happens is that when Jesus came, the Bible says that no longer will that be the case. Are you getting my point? Because of what Jesus has done, no longer will it be the case that the sour grapes I need to find that scripture to help me. Uh, Isaiah. So. I'll look for it. Pardon me? Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah, what? I can't hear you. Okay, media, please put it up. Put it up. Jeremiah 21, 31, 20, 29. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It says, In those days they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Who ate the sour grapes? Whose teeth is set on edge? But it says, in those days, shall say no more. It said, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. He was trying to explain a time that, look, that's what used to happen to them in those days. Because the fathers have done something, it's now affecting the children. What he's saying is that, look, listen very carefully. The father have done this because of what the father have done. By law and by right, the children will experience a consequence 
But because Jesus has come, the children have a right to, to reject that consequence. That's just, just what he's saying. So because of Jesus, you have a right to reject every consequence of anything you've done. Because of Jesus. Not because of yourself. Yes, you did something. The consequence is coming. But you can stand in Christ and refuse it. I'll give you an example. Someone whose father was a herbalist. All through and everything. Do you know that the child growing up and not knowing Jesus, do you know there's some consequences? Why? Because some foundational things have been destroyed. Some things have happened in the foundation. So if the child accepts and believes that, hey, because my father was a herbalist, all these things that are happening to me, it's okay. It's a cause. It's a consequence on its own. So cause and consequence do not attach to people. People attach to cause and consequence. Cause and consequence happens on their own. So when we enter into that space, we begin to experience it. But when we step out, we don't experience it. And our way out is Christ. Yes, we've done some things wrong. We, de we deserve certain consequence. But when we step out into Christ, what happens? He shields us at that moment and begins to find a way to bring us out. And that was that scripture I was talking about in Isaiah as well. That the... Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. If you have a next question. Isaiah 49 from verse 25. But thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible be delivered. For I will contend with him who contends with you and I will save your children. Even the captives of the mighty shall be and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. So, you can set yourself on a cause and have some consequences happen. When you come to light, Christ can bring you out. Not because you say, okay, ah, pastor, I've said it. Okay, let me go and steal. When I now steal, and I say, God, forgive me. They should not catch me. They should not catch me. No. Mercy may prevail. Don't mistake mercy for, mercy may prevail. But mercy is not at your disposal. It's at God's disposal. So you cannot say, people have used that as an excuse for grace to do all sorts of things and say, ah, God will have mercy. He will have mercy. At whom he will have mercy? When he will have mercy? You cannot demand for mercy. You can demand for grace, but mercy is at his disposal. He's the one that will show mercy. So you cannot commit an, an offense and now say that, ah, God's mercy will cover me. No, his grace has covered you, but his mercy will show up when he wants it to show up. So you, mercy is not a, is not a, how do you call it? Um, it's not a model. Mercy is not a model. So you cannot keep riding on the mercy of God. Okay, you, uh, um, God, you, you sat down at home. Ah, somebody just paid some money into your account. Uh, one million. And you don't know who paid it. And then you took all the one million. And you squandered it. Boom. And you sit down again. Oh, somebody just paid money into my account. No. His mercy brought that one. But wisdom demands that you invest and do business and multiply. So for us to rely on mercy all the time is not a model to run with. 
Okay? It's not a model. I hope I, I, hope I answered so good. Any other? Okay. Maybe we'll take two more questions and then go. Mine is not a question. Okay, go I ahead. I just want to add to what you have said. All right. Now, in relation to his question, sometimes people actually believe in generational cause and that, but in Christianity, they don't like generational cause, like what um, your parents did a long time ago start affecting you. That's why when the um, Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it said, whoever is in Christ is a new creature. So all things are passed away. I say everything. In fact, if the fact that you are now a believer means, fine, I can be, my father's name is Okorede. And if, if immediately I accept Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior, I am still an Okorede, but my divine DNA has been changed. So I am not that person I used to be. I am, I am still part of the family, but I am not... The blood flowing is different. Yeah, I don't know if you get what I'm trying to Glory say. To yes. Yeah. So. What usually happens is most time, while people who, um, while people don't experience victory in that angle, is because they have not received that freedom from Christ. What your parents did, what our parents did, idols and all those things have effects on us. If we don't receive the freedom from Christ, we will. We will suffer the consequence. The only way you are out of consequences inside Christ, simple and straight. All right? I believe in generational causes and generational issues. They exist. If anybody tells you they don't exist, they lie. They exist. A man cannot serve idol 30 years of his life and none of his children don't know God. And the children's life will be going like this. No! No! It's if you come to Christ that it comes out. Because what those demons do is that they take hold of a generation. I mean, how do you explain someone in their family? All of the female children, none of them are married. None, not one. How do you want to explain it? It's something that has happened in the root. So somebody needs to stand out and say, now that I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. And enforce the victory. So when you enforce the victory, you see the victory. That's why we're saying that no longer will they say that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and it's affecting the children. It is there, but you have to take it. The victory and the freedom is already there. Before it was not there. There's nothing you can do about it. You will still suffer it. But he's saying that in Christ Jesus, there is something you can do now that you will not suffer it. So if we have that knowledge and arm ourselves with that knowledge, we can live in victory in spite of the background. Because of that knowledge. Last question. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Please, Pastor, I want to know how are we tempted? Oh, does temptation come to you based on things you like or it can come in any way? Okay, the Bible says that every man who is tempted is drawn away by his own lust. Okay? Um, I want to differentiate temptation and test. They are two different things. Okay? Um, what happened to Jesus in John chapter 4 was test. Okay? Um, because there was no lust for anything that he would lust after that would draw him. It was a test and it was a battle of the mind. Okay? Um, we are tempted. Can you put up that scripture for me? I think it's in James or so. We are tempted when we are drawn 
away by our own lust. I was given in a scenario the other time. Some things will not tempt me. But some things will tempt me. Okay? They will not tempt me because that's not my person. That's not who I am. I, I, those things won't appeal to me. The Bible calls those things the lust of the flesh, the um, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, what you see, and then the pride of life. So if you put all those three things together, what happens? We can pull a temptation. Alright? And then temptation doesn't just show up one day and say, hi, I'm temptation. No. It doesn't. It works its way. Gradually. It works its way. It comes as suggestion. Suggest this thing to you. Suggest this thing to you. Ah, I think, what do you think about robbing that bank? See, there's no, there's always one security there. It's a good job. So the moment you begin to give thoughts to it, give thoughts to it, give thought to it, and then you yield. And what the Bible says, it said, yielding is sin. So from that point, you yield. You yield to what? The temptation that has been tempting. So it's coming subtly. 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 It doesn't just come at once, but it comes subtly. It's subtly. So we are tempted when we are drawn by our own lust. The devil will not tempt you with something that doesn't appeal to you. I don't know if you get, if you get something that doesn't appeal to you will not tempt you naturally. So it has to be something that appeals to you first and then you are drawn away by it. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and then the pride of life. Have we been blessed church? Stand to your feet. I want us to make a commitment to walk and live in victory. Today, all through the month of August, we've been emphasizing victory. So right now, we're saying that we don't have an excuse. So I want us to live here today knowing that everything I need to prosper, increase, multiply has been bestowed on me. And to know that there is no limitation to how far I can go in Christ Jesus. Everything is in Christ Jesus. Without Christ, there are limits. But once you step into Christ, so every victory that we're talking about now, living intentionally in victory, we're saying that it is in Christ Jesus. And though we are in Christ and we're not experiencing it, we should now consciously begin to take it. Consciously begin to lay hold on it. Consciously begin to demand our rights. To demand our rights. You know, Ecclesiastes says that I've seen servants on horses uh, and princes walking. And then one day I asked the Lord, why are the servants walking and the prince, the servants on horse and the prince is working? He said, because the prince does not know that he's a prince. He said, the day he knows that he's a prince, he will automatically get on the horse. But as long as he's still a child, he's equal to a servant. That's what the Bible says. He differs not from a servant. As long as he's still a child. So the key there is, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. 
There are bigger things and greater things that God will have us do. Grow up. Demand for things as a right of the firstborn. Demand for things and then know your heritage in Christ Jesus. Know that you have victory in Him. And then demand for it. You're not begging God for it. It's your right. You demand for it. God, I want to know. I want to see victory. I want to, I want to know what I have in you. I want to know the victory that I have in you. What is the length? What is the depth? What is the height? What is that? How wide is it? Where do you want me to take, take me to? What would you have me do? And then God begins to tell you gradually. Gradually. And then you begin to see victory. Day after day. day. But it starts with you knowing your right first. That as a prince, I may have been walking. But God, bring me to revelation knowledge. So I can know what is mine and walk in victory. Lift your hands to heaven and pray. Just a short prayer. Bring me to revelation knowledge that I may know my princely rights. Lay hold on it and then walk in victory. Lay hold on it and walk in victory. As long as it's the child, it differs not from a servant. So servants are on horses. Princes are working because the prince is a child and doesn't know that he's a prince. So the moment you realize and come to the knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus, you take hold of what is yours and then you continually live in victory. Deliberately, consciously. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word that has gone forth. Revelation knowledge has come on us. Lord, I'm asking that everyone at the sound of my voice today will find a place in you, the place of victory. We'll find that place in you and from this day, begin to live a victorious life. Lord, I ask that everywhere that the eyes of their understanding needs to be opened and enlightened so that they can know the depth and the height of what they have in you. Father, I pray this morning that they will come to that place in you in the name of Jesus. Everything that limits anyone under the sound of my voice today. We enforce the victory of Jesus Christ. And we say no more to mediocre living. No more to suboptimal living. No more excuse. And we choose to live in victory. In spite of the limitations. In spite of the, of the setback. In spite of the problems. In spite of everything that appears to limit us. We stand in Christ Jesus. And enforce our victory today. And say we are victorious. We are victorious. And everywhere that victory needs to show up for your people. Oh God I ask. Today let victory show up in the name of Jesus. That everyone will live here knowing who they are in Christ Jesus. And not listen to the voice of the enemy that puts us down. And not listen to the voice of the enemy that tries to rob us of what is rightfully ours. But Lord we will live in victory. Not because of what we have done. But because of what Jesus has done. And what Jesus has done is a finished work. So we stand on that finished work today and declare victory. In our mind, our homes, our families, relationships, our business, career, we declare victory. In Jesus' precious name. Put your hands together for the Lord. May you have your seat in God's presence. 
The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.